0: Welcome to Depth and Candor. I'm Hiwate Gitana and I'm obsessed with living a full and vibrant life. You're listening to the second episode of this podcast series and I'm so happy that you're here. Depth and Candor is designed to help you figure out how to live a life that's so incredibly bomb that it surpasses even your wildest dreams. On today's episode, I'm talking to Grace Mahari and if you know fashion, you've probably heard about this amazing woman. Grace is an Eritrean Canadian model and global activist and she's walked the runway for, get this, Victoria's Secret, Chanel, Dior, Valentino, and Balenciaga. She's also appeared in lots of campaigns for popular series like Diesel and Old Navy and she's been in magazines like American Vogue, W Magazine, CR Fashion Book, Elle Canada, and so much more. Basically, Grace is a boss, and like a boss, she recently launched a sustainable nonprofit organization called Projects Ahai, which focuses on providing uninterrupted energy to impoverished or remote communities around the world through renewable energy sources. I wanted to get Grace on the show because I want to learn how people like her, people who have very demanding careers, find the time and knowledge to invest in a totally different field. And I thought this would be especially fitting given that the Women's March was this past weekend and there's a lot of talk about improving the world we live in. Grace is creating change in Eritrea right now and she's using the resources that exist for most of us. You will love this episode if you've ever thought about starting your own organization or project and weren't sure where to start. Okay, let's get into it.
1: So Grace, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what new project you're working on? I am Grace Mahari. I
2: am a full-time fashion model and I'm working on a nonprofit called Project Sahai. It's a nonprofit dedicated to providing clean energy solutions to communities around the world, and we're starting in Eritrea. So
1: how did you decide to start uh, Project Baha'i, and like, at what point in your modeling career did you say, you know what, I want to do uh, something a little bit different?
2: I was fortunate enough uh, early on in my career to finally go home and see my parents' native country, Eritrea, for the first time as an adult, I witnessed power shortages, and. I saw it as an opportunity to help the country. Oh, I made Project Sahai in in order to create a simple idea of giving people power.
1: You know, so uh, I was telling you this when we were emailing, but I was so impressed that you chose solar energy, because there are some nonprofits that are like, you know, we're going to bring electricity to rural villages, but... Um, sustainability isn't something they really think about. So, like, how did you come to the point where you were like, you know what, we're going to make this sustainable and we're going to use solar energy?
2: It was almost just putting, like, the two obvious things in the country together. Mm -hmm. I saw that a large portion of the citizens live off the electrical grid, Mm -hmm. and I saw how the pollution in the air and also how sunny the country is. So I put I maybe mean, three things together. I put the fact that they're off the electrical grid. I put the fact that they're, you know, consuming dangerous pollution, polluted air. And the fact that the country has a ton of sun. So I think solar energy just became the, like an easy thing to put in in people's homes and schools and, and hospitals, or maybe I shouldn't say easy, I mean, maybe the more practical thing to put in in, in homes and, and um, communities that in the countries we live in outside of, or in the developed countries we live in, we take for granted the fact that we can simply roll over on our bed and turn on the lamp, you know? And uh-huh. i being in Eritrea was just so, I, I was I was living without that op- access, and I wanted to change. I mean, I was in the capital for most of it, but I visited several other towns around it. You know, Depth and
1: Candor is all about helping equip people with skills and helping them figure out how other people started their own businesses, started their own nonprofits. So I'm interested in how you went about setting up a team and finding the right resources to take your vision from idea to reality.
2: Yeah, I mean, finding my team is a super interesting
1: experience.
2: <laughs> and the learning, it, it, really, it started humbly with just myself and my uncle, who's an engineer in Germany. And we started collaborating on ideas on how we could, like, just effectively and simply get a sustainable source of power. I started researching um, solar energy companies, and I stumbled upon a great um, product supplier who to this day is still helping us with ground statistics and solutions. And I, I mean, I should mention, like, that's, a integral, that's an integral part of Project Sahai working with local companies, because we believe that if we work with local companies and we train local staff, then that way they'll be independent once we finish serving the community. So we found that that local link we, I started talking more about it with my family and my friends. I started talking more about my ideas with my family and friends. And um, at this point, I found two excellent and dedicated projects to high members who combined have the background between uh, event marketing, non a nonprofit organizations, media. They're great. They're amazing. That's awesome. And we're now, like, we're still looking to grow the team, and we need passionate volunteers. Um,
1: but like I, I like I said, it's a learning experience through and throughout. So essentially, you tapped into the network that you already had. It totally did, yeah. And plus, the I,
2: I did have to do some research. Like I had to find, you know, a, a, a solar energy company or renewable energy company that
1: would be willing to work with us. So what's been the hardest part of setting up your own organization? What's been the most fun part?
2: I am a nitp- I am a perfectionist. So. <laughs> I, I I like thank God for my team because they snapped me out of it. But I that the hardest part is getting myself out of my head and just making the vision reality. Like just go for it. It's not going to be perfect right away. Just just do it. That's definitely my for me my the hardest part of setting up my own organization. Um And the most fun is is uh, for me it's the over overwhelming support. Like I was surprised. I didn't realize how many people would be interested in helping these communities or just in helping in general. Mm -hmm. And I think the most fun part is is learning about these new passionate souls involved in the
1: nonprofit world. I am just like you with the perfectionist thing. Like I will (laughs) try to not do something until – or like I'll try not to present it until it's complete. And it's like it's okay for things to be in beta. You can test it out. Yeah. Okay, so how do you balance your modeling work with running a nonprofit? Oh my God, that is that is definitely two full-time jobs. I, <laughs> I realize
2: like this is this is just as time-consuming as my modeling career, and I I appreciate it because it gives me discipline and structure. Mm-hmm. Um when I'm like flying, if I'm flying to Asia for a job, I will use that flight time to plan and create new That's visions that. for Project High. And
1: yeah,
2: but I just yeah. juggle them both.
1: I, you know, I have, uh, I am I do social policy research, so mm-hmm. I spend like maybe 8.30 to 6 p.m. in an office, and then I come home, and I'm like, there's this other thing I'm really excited about. Oh. <laughs> and I suddenly, like, yeah. <laughs> How many hours there are in the day again? It's know. crazy. It's crazy. So what does a typical day for you look like? Is there a well? Day? Even. There
2: is no typical day, but I I'm seriously like if I'm on set, you know, if I have a chance I'm in the makeup or hair chair, I'll be looking at my notes that cuz I'm taking courses in sustainability and non- and nonprofit organization. Mm. So I'm I'm studying in my chair and then I'll shoot and then at home I you know, I have to work out, and then I go home and then I try to regroup and see what what plans are like if we if we're in if we're on uh what do you call that? In check with our uh, itinerary for Project High.
1: Where do you take courses
2: online? Online, yeah, I take all courses online. I just like, I know that this project came from a very genuine and you know grassroots uh, origin. Like mm-hmm. we, we, I saw an, op- I saw an opportunity to help people, and I wanted to, and I'm taking full stride in it. But I also realized you need to be educated in what you're helping people with.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Can you tell us, like, where you found a course so that if other Yeah, people... there's,
2: like, Coursera. I love... I remember a couple of years ago, I was taking some science courses there, um, and that's how I found and stumbled upon it. But Coursera is a great, 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 great online organization that provides great classes.
1: I love Coursera. I took a uh, investment class on Coursera. Ah, I might say they're on Coursera. There. I don't I don't I actually don't know which way which way you actually say it but I'll put it Your in Yours Your better. Mine sounds like a <laughs> <word>. <laughs> <laughs> Um there's another one called Udemy and I took like an interviewing course on Udemy because I wanted to learn how to like make my interviewees feel comfortable and You're doing great.
2: You're a oh, yeah, that's you're awesome. making
1: me a YouTuber. <laughs> Okay, good. But yeah, Udemy's another good resource for people that might want to um, uh, take I just looked it up. It looks great. Um, okay, so how do you measure impact at Project Box? Bi- That's a good
2: question because we're su- we're in such an infancy state. Project I Bi- measures impact by comparing the quality of life that res- the residents have before and after we've completed our missions. For us, that would be able to that would be that would be to see children able to do their homework at home under a running light, or, or mothers able to cook and refrigerate goods, um, farmers able to power their farming tools. Those, those, those simple, you know, to us it's simple, but back there, that's, I think that's a large measure of impact.
1: And it affects so many, like, larger scale things. Like, helping one family is just helping one family to you, but it, like, shifts an economy, so that's super powerful. So where do you see Project Baha'i in five years?
2: I guess my ultimate my ultimate dream is just to fuel hospitals, schools, community centers, farms with renewable energy to truly mobilize and empower the residents of a country. Because I feel like that's essentially the only way that you can leave people independent on their own. You know, you can. I don't want to go in five years, and, and my, I guess my biggest fear in five years will be. Leaving a community less served than it was before, so that we like we give them these products that they use and, and let's say the battery dies or something some te- technological failure happens and they're they're back to square one
1: mm. so you want to make sure that they they can do this on their own you, the yeah finish.
2: I think yeah my biggest
1: my biggest vision
2: in five years is that we
1: leave communities self sufficient and self sustainable so I learned about more about Project Baha'i when our mutual friend Joey was telling me about your fundraiser coming up. And yeah. you had a super fun approach to fundraising. Tell us about what project you have coming up.
2: Well so I'm i I'm a health junkie, uh health and wellness junkie. They're very, they're both very important to me. And so it was just amazing that SoulCycle cycle was happy to welcome us to open our or our fundraising event so we're doing a fundraiser at soul cycle um west village location january 28th and folks come out get a good workout and they can help 100 households receive solar panels so the 28th is next Saturday. saturday It's next Saturday, yeah, and and we like this is the first of hopefully many more. We plan on hosting more of these rides in other cities because I've already at, heard people in L. A. and Toronto asking for, let's go! Wish it was here. Come here, we want to we want to get on a bike. So I've heard interest in in other cities. Fundraiser is called Pedals for Power.
1: Um, you know, I thought of something else when you were telling us about being a health junkie. Something people yeah. would be so interested in finding out is What does a model's workout and, like, health plan look like? Can you share that with us? Well, because I work out so much, I fortunately can can have my
2: chocolate and something, something here and there. But um, when I'm being good or if I'm training for a specific shoot or event, I usually cut out the sugar. I cut out, like, processed sugars. I eat mostly veggies and fish because I'm a pescatarian. Mm -hmm. So... A lot of my meals are actually vegetarian. My workouts consist of a mix of cardio and Pilates and yoga.
1: Okay. That is awesome. Thank you so much for being interviewed. I'm so glad to have gotten to to talk to you. Yeah, same. I'm
2: sad we're not going to get you there next Saturday, but I'm glad at least we get to be uh, connected in other ways
0: now. And that is it. Thank you so much for listening. Everything we talked about today, including links to the fundraiser and the online courses will be in the show notes. If you like this episode, subscribe on iTunes. And if you want more than just the podcast, go to depthandcandor.com and join the insiders list so you and I can be real life friends. And I'll send you emails about my personal life lessons, interviews I'm doing with people, and videos when I travel. All right, go live vibrantly.